0: Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Good morning. Well, praise the Lord. It's hard to believe that uh, Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship is six months old today. Not that we're keeping track, but, um, you know, it's a a blessing to be part of uh, this church and this assembly of believers and seeing the Lord move in, you know, everybody's lives. And I I just go back to uh, talking to Pastor Bill Gallatin when we talked to him about the church plan and seeking his advice, and him saying, the only thing I can tell you, Jim, is to stick close to Jesus. And you know, I kind of expecting a little bit more details than that, but I'm learning what that actually means. In fact, every one of our praise and worship songs reflect how important it is that we stick close to Jesus living in these days. There's nothing else that's going to sustain us. I think, it's, I think we all know by now politics is not going to save us. Right? Living in this world's not going to save us. What's going to sustain us and encourage us is sticking close to Jesus. And we see that as we come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, with the specific instructions that Paul had for the church there, the Church of Thessalonians. I saw a, a picture, and I can't remember where I saw it this week, but it, it kind of reminded me or confirmed for me that I was hearing from the Lord and it came from Charlie Brown and Snoopy. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. I'm but ch, you know Charlie Brown says, you know, this this world is really getting crazy. And then Snoopy says, well at least the Lord is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. And that speak that spoke to me. And it, sometimes when we especially living in the greatest nation that The Lord has given obviously Israel is his nation but the United States of America you know we've grown up in such a a great nation and things have progressed to where we are today would you agree with me it's pretty crazy right now I mean I it it is very crazy and uh, but we got to remember the world has never been good and I think we tend to forget that living in this great nation that we live in. The world has never been good. We have just been a great nation that God's created that stood on the foundation of His holy word, foundation on Jesus Christ, and then living it out. And now here we are, less than 250 years. So the world's never been good, but we have to see the real issue in the world today. And I'm, I'm, you know. Pointing all this out that we might understand it a better way, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the specific instructions that Paul was giving to them. You know, when you think about the world crazy, how, how else do you describe it? The world in which we live today. I mean, there's a lot of words you could describe, but I think of what Jesus said in John. Um, and actually, in John 3, and I want to read that. In John 3, beginning in verse 17, it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the, tru- but he who does the truth come to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they may have been done in God. Darkness. That's a word that really describes the days that we're living in, or one word that can describe it. But this is true in all ages. This is the battle. God sent his son, that man might be saved. And there's an implication there that all man needs to be saved, amen? Because we're born into sin. We're born into that darkness. We need a redeemer. We need a savior. And God, out of his great love, he provided what man needs. And he gives the opportunity for people to choose. And what we see today is exactly what Jesus says, that man is choosing darkness rather than the light. And those scriptures in the book of Revelation, speaking of the great tribulation, it's not that people were not believing that God existed, but they were shaking their fist at God, not wanting to turn over to him even though God in his marvelous grace was trying to and will try to save man, even to the very end. So all of that to keep in mind of what is taking place in this world. And even looking at Ephesians chapter 2 that I know that you know, Ephesians chapter 2, reminding us of what we have been delivered from, that we have been saved. Ephesians chapter 2, the first four verses If I can get there. Or I should have just read it off the screen. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves And the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. And so that was you and I. We were, you know, by by being outside the will of God, being spiritually separated from God. We were walking in the lust of the flesh. And then God saved us, but God. Now, why bring all this up? Well, it's important that we grasp what the Holy Spirit led Paul to say to the first Thess- the Church of Thessalonians, and also for you and I as we minister the truth with those. And, um, you know, as we see the specific... Uh, You know, message that Paul had. Remember, uh, the church of Thessalonians—they were a new church, and they were coming out of darkness. If you remember, um, you know, believers coming out of pagan worship, uh, worshiping these pagan gods, and they had their religious rites and, uh, you know, just gross sexual immorality, and then they heard the gospel. And the Spirit of God moved in their hearts and they turned from their idols to serve the living and true God. See, that reminds me that there is nobody that is too far gone from God that he can't save. And we as a church need to understand that. Yes, there's lifestyles out there that we just absolutely despise. However, God loves them. And we have to be a people who loves them because we want to stick close to Jesus. We want to be like Him. And so... It was radical for this church to get saved. It was radical for you to get saved and for me to get saved. Totally radical, coming out of the world. And so the Apostle Paul, as we've been seeing in the first three chapters, he, he loved and cared for, and he, cons- he was so very much concerned uh, for these believer- believers. And now we're going to see Paul change directions here and the and. and 1st Thessalonians chapter 4. Well, let's pray first before we dive in. Father, uh, Lord, you're you're so awesome, Lord. You're you're marvelous. And we pray for your Holy Spirit now, Lord, to bring insights for every one of us, Lord, to see the world in which you see, Lord. That we would be a people filled with compassion and love for for those who do not know you, Lord. And Lord, that we would Be mindful of what the Spirit is saying to us in our own walks, Lord, that you desire for us to grow, to mature as believers, knowing that we live in this world that brings so so much distraction when we allow it, so much pulling away. But yet, Lord, just as we desire to, to live close to you, may we remember that you are with us, you're doing a good work in us, and you desire as your will that all man would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to walk in that. We don't want to walk in the darkness. We want to grow in our walk with you, become more like you. So would you speak to our hearts this morning, Lord? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So verse 1 says, finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So when Paul says finally, obviously he's not, he's not completing his letter. He's, he's now going to be pointing out new exhortations, and, but it's connected to his prayer that we read at the end of chapter 3, that dealt with holiness, that dealt with love and coming. And we're going to see those three words throughout the rest of Thessalonians. You know, the the holiness as Paul called for them to be separate from the world and to walk in holiness with God and uh, knowing that we live in a darkened world. Again, keep in mind what these believers in the church of Thessalonians were coming out of. Coming out of darkness. Great deal of sexual immorality, as we'll see. And, and, call, and, and Paul calls for them to live in holiness. And that's a, that's a call for you and I, to live in holiness. This is the will of God, as we'll see, to walk in holiness and then love. And we've seen throughout 1 Thessalonians that Paul commended them for their love for one another. That is a move of God when there's that great love coming from the example the love of Christ within the midst of a church fellowship. A group of believers. And then obviously uh, the coming of the Lord, referring to the Lord's coming. And all of what Paul was sharing with them, he had in mind and he taught them these things, that the Lord was coming. And for you and I, that's an exhortation, right, with an exclamation point. The Lord Jesus is coming. We say amen to that if you believe it? He's coming. And so he desires for us to live a life of holiness. And notice here it says that you should abound more and more that is really speaks of growing and advancing in your walk with the lord and the word ought there isn't it isn't speaking of this is the preferred way of life god doesn't give the preferred way of life it's not preferred this is ought because we're called to please the lord what a phrase please the lord this is this is the will of god the motivation For your walk and my walk with the Lord is to please Him. Our lives as a living sacrifice to God. I'm reminded in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. In context with us pleasing the Lord. Verse 1 says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So our life to please God ought to be a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. That's the goal. That should be our heart's desire. You know, when it says here commandments, um, Paul is not talking about his commandments. He's talking about the Lord Jesus, as it says there. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, in all of his letters, and I think of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies to God, which is your reasonable service. So we're presenting ourselves, our bodies, all of ourselves, right? Our minds, our thoughts, our hearts, our bodies, everything to God to be a sweet-smelling aroma as it is a response to what God has done for you and I. And that's something as we share with new believers, well, what am I supposed to do as a believer? We might not think that because many of us have walked with the Lord longer, but we take it for granted. But think back when you first got saved. We didn't know anything except we were forgiven, and that was a great thing to know and to experience. But then, okay, what what are we supposed to do? Well, we know we're supposed to go to church and we're supposed to get in the Bible be people of prayer, go in our faith, but all that. Did that even make sense? (laughs) You just walk it out. But in all of it, it's to please God. Why do we get in the word? Because we want to please him by hearing him, listening to him, reading about him, learning that we might grow in our walk with him, to please him. And if we don't have that desire to please him, then there's there's... There's another motive, and it could be that the enemy telling us or lies from the world. It's just another preferred way. This isn't the only way. You'll you'll come around. Have you ever had your family or friends after you got saved and walk with the Lord? Maybe it's hey you, you're you're part of a new church. That that phase will that that will leave you. You'll grow up. You know I I still got people thinking Jim's going to come around. You know he'll he'll hit the bars with us once again. Just Well, it's been a long time, and praise God, we're not doing that. But living in this darkened world, we have to understand that God has provided everything for you and for me, for godliness, everything in life. He's given us everything that we need. Living in the darkened world, living in a world that is filled with darkness. Now, here as we come to verse 3, I want to read the next three verses together and then touch on it because here we begin Paul giving specific instruction, specific exhortation to them and he says for this is the will of God your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So now, remember, these believers, they were walking with the Lord. Paul was encouraging them and commending them. They were living to please God. They were enduring the persecution from the opposition. And now, Paul, out of his great concern for them, is reminding them to abstain from sexual immorality. Now, let's define the word sexual immorality. Well, this comes from the Greek word pornea, which refers to any sexual relationship outside the marriage relationship. Any sex outside the marriage relationship is sin. Some Bibles might translate this fornication. Remember, again they were coming out of corruption, perversion in that society, meaning they were engaging in these different lifestyles. They were engaged in the pagan worship where they would have sex with the temple prostitutes and thinking that they were pleasing the pagan deity that they were worshiping. And because of this darkness that had such a hold, the perversion, it was common practice for extramarital affairs, it was common in that pagan culture that the wife would take care of the family and, and the husband would have, and the wife as well, um, you know, miss, mistresses and you know, even selling them out for prostitution. It, it was dark. And but this was the normal way in that culture, in that society, to live. And, and when I think about the normal way. I think about our, our nation, our world, but let's just zero in on our nation and how sexual immorality has become a way of normalcy. What do I mean by that? Well, what about television, the, the, the shows, the, the commercials, the Internet, movies? Billboards. And it's just not sexual immorality. It's because it things have become normal, acceptable. And what about bumper stickers? Anybody, I mean, there was a day not long ago that coexist really threw me through the roof when I'd see that coexist sticker. But there's such things, such horrific people, you know, stick people in sexual positions. I, I mean, wasn't that long ago that wasn't acceptable, and now it is. And we have to explain this to our children who are getting bombarded with it in the schools, in universities. And we know who's behind it. It's the enemy, influencing, indoctrinating, all getting to this is the normal way. And when you make a stand for it, guess what? You're haters. You don't love people. You're outdated. You're old-fashioned, blah, 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 blah. But mind you, keep in mind, this is 2,000 years ago, that the Spirit of God was warning the Church of Thessalonians. And we know all about the Roman Empire, and all that Caesars is engaged in sexual immorality, homosexuals. And really it helped implode Rome. And we see all these different things led by sexual immorality that is leading our nation down a road that it's it's gonna implode, unless God intervenes. So he Paul's exhorting them to abstain from sexual immorality. Again, sexual immorality, any sex or act outside of the marriage relationship. Abstain, which means abstain, desist and quit. It doesn't mean to moderate or reduce in frequency. It means stop. Verse 4, or excuse me, back to verse 3. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. So Paul starts off with this, and again he's reminding them, this is the will of God. Remember the one who sent his son to die for you, this this is the will of God, your sanctification. You need to grow in the Lord, and part of growing in the Lord is abstaining from sexual immorality. At the outset, I said that we might be able to minister to people better. We have to understand these things. Certainly allowing the Spirit of God to interview our own hearts on, on this. But we need to see the young people who are being robbed by the devil. Pleasing the Lord and walking with the Lord and growing the Lord. This is the will of God. Your sanctification, which means consecration, purification, holiness. This is the will of God. To walk in holiness. Now, when we think of that word sanctification... That's a big word, right? It is a big word. It's an awesome word. But there's different aspects, aspects of sanctification. You know, remember sanctification being set apart. God intervened in our life, and he, he called us out of the world. And at that point in time, we're, we're saved. We, we have been redeemed. And that's our salvation, our, you know, that time being sanctified by God through His wonderful love. It's when we first believed. Remember when you first believed? Glorious, wasn't it? At that very moment that you knew. Listen, nobody was born a Christian, right? Can we just say that? (laughs) Right? Nobody was born a Christian. We're all born into sin. We all need saved. But that very time that the Spirit of God pierced your heart, you need Jesus. And you surrender to Him at that very point, sanctified. And then what about this life? And this is what Paul's talking about. Sanctified throughout our life as the Spirit of God works in our heart as we continue to grow and mature in Him and follow Him in this life. And then complete sanctification is, will be when we get to heaven, which I'm thinking is going to be pretty soon for all of us. Right, The Lord's coming, and we're going to be totally sanctified. Right now I'm not totally sanctified. I have this body, you know, that desperately needs sanctified, totally redeemed. God's will. But look at verse four. He continues that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel and sanctification and honor. This word vessel here was common, um, Greek metaphor for the body. Our bodies are vessels to be used sanctification and, and, and honor. It's amazing the lie from the enemy throughout the world is that your body is made for pleasure. You should be able to do whatever you want. If it feels good, do it. Isn't that the mindset from the world? But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, Again, we see in another letter from Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about sexual immorality. Again, it wasn't just, you know, there in uh, Macedonia and Greece. It was all over that, that culture. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, Whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I love Peter, after the resurrection, of course, where he spoke about the precious blood of Jesus, bought with a price. And essentially, because we have been bought with the price, the blood of Christ, we are not our own. We are His. What about if we go back to Ephesians chapter 5? Ephesians chapter 5, those first couple verses I've read. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself. For us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And then Paul continued in context here. For fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Who's the saints? Believers are saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So, you know, joking around. It shouldn't be a part of us as believers joking around uh, sexual jokes and those types of things. It's not fitting for us. We've been bought with the price, the blood of Christ. He He didn't die for us to be like that. He died that we might walk with him. It's the will of God that we would be, you know, walk in sanctification, living our lives pleasing to him. And it says, he continued, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, that no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Now, I'm not around a lot of people now that would... You know, I'm around mostly believers for the most part, and they don't—they don't do this. But I remember working in the workplace. I remember the jokes that were told and the stupidness that would come out of their mouth. Oh, Jim, come on! You know that was funny. No, it's not. It's filthiness in the eyes of the Lord. And Paul says, verse 5, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know good, (laughs) excuse me, who do not know God. Remember, the Gentiles were considered far off from God, as Paul talked about in Ephesians. They were far off from God. It was the Jews who had the law, who knew God, and there was a moral standard. The Gentiles, and and you read about the history of of the sexual immorality and the pagan worship and, and, and all of that, and what a, what a description in our day for what is going on. They do not know God. They do not know God. Oh, they might believe that God exists. And they shake their fist at him. And we're seeing that, right? All over the place. TV. I'm, I'm sure you, I hope you didn't watch it. <laughs> But I read the headlines this week about the Grammys. You know, last week, what? That's just shaking fist at God. They don't know God. In our day, and you know, it used to be they would come up with all kinds of different, you know, things and a psychological way of why it would be good for man to have relations with the woman that he loved before they were married, how that would be beneficial emotionally. And they would even throw in the word spiritually and they would have all these different things come up. You know, now times have changed so fast here. This perfectly illustrates what's going on in our world today. It's not about all those things and feeling good, and blah, blah, blah. It's about passion of lusts. See, that's the sin in any sexual immoral encounter and all that we're seeing going on in the day we're living in now, it's passion of lust. See, it used to be all about tolerance. We, we want to be accepted and it's, it's fast forward to and it all goes back to this. It's the passion of lust. That's the sin. They don't know the Lord. Passion here emphasize feelings that control a person leading to a lustful activity its overpowering urges in contrast to the believer we are control ourselves we have the holy spirit to help us and to live differently paul continues that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. Sexual sin defrauds people. The phrasing here speaks of not only transgressing against the will of God, but sexual immorality, first of all, hurts the person encountered and the other person. It's just not nobody gets hurt. A lot of damage is done. And we're seeing that, by the way. To be more specific, in the transgenderism, these people that are coming out, they are a complete wreck. Emotionally, physically, and no doubt spiritually. But who's going to minister to them? Who's going to tell them the truth? Who's going to love on them? I'm waiting for the day they start coming in here. Who's going to tell them the truth about Jesus? That calling's on us. We are to hate the sin, but love the sinner. But we have to be prepared now in in our hearts, in our minds. And this sin is destroying people, the sexual immorality. And we need to be about the truth. We don't have to come up with gimmicks to get people to come in our church. You just need to share the love of Jesus. Not only share it with them, but, you know, demonstrate to them the love of Jesus. It says here, and it's very clear, and we just read it in Ephesians, and certainly Romans chapter 1 as well, the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. So that tells me Paul was telling them when he was there at the church of Thessalonians for a short period of time, he was telling them these things. Certainly encouraging them, you come out of this lifestyle. Now it's the will of God that you continue on, that you grow in your faith. Stick close to Jesus because he's the one that's going to bring you through. He's the one that's going to sustain you. for God did not call us to uncleanness but in holiness. Therefore he who rejects this does not reject man but God who also given us who has also given us his holy spirit. So to reject the call for sexual purity and rejecting God himself. And you know this is this is where so many are even in the church. Now again, our biggest concern as it was Paul it's the world is the world is the world. The church is the church. As Vernon McGee said, there was the saints and the saints. We're the saints. And we need to pray for the saints. We need to pray for the church that we stay on the course. If we're not on this course, we can't help people. We can't do, you know, we won't even pray for their deliverance. Again, Paul's strong words here weren't that they were not that these believers were in deep sin. He's encouraging them, you know, to prevent it. And how important it is for us to tell young people the importance of abstaining from sexual immorality. Because it will affect them. You know, years ago we went to, uh, this wasn't too long after we were saved, we went to a Song of Solomon conference. How many has read the book of Song of Solomon? Yeah, there's pretty graphic sexual things in there. And so it was, it was incredible, but I'm telling you, every person that came out of there in our group had the same thought. We wish we would have waited to have sex. Now, God is a God. He, he redeems us. He cleanses us. He forgives us. But there is nothing like being pure before the Lord abstaining from sexual immorality until one's married. It's incredible. It's a glorious honor and praise to God. And for the young people, be encouraged. You're living to please God. Let's turn to Second Peter. I'll close with this. Second Peter chapter 1. In my, in my mind, this is, this is a passage of just sticking close to Jesus. Remember, this is Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing this to believers who were scattered you know, all over uh, Asia Minor, sexual immorality, persecution, many troubles going on, believers being you know, thrown to lions, and he's encouraging them with these words. In verse 1 it says, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, or excuse me, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Somebody pray for me. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, it says there, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things mean all things. He's given us everything that we, we need. He's given us the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful that he's given us the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit then, as we see in the scriptures, he is one who convicts us of sin, convicts us of righteousness. He's the one who uh, pierced our heart and telling us that we needed Jesus. And it says here in verse 2 that word uh, knowledge And then verse 3, that word knowledge, it's just not knowledge in the mind or in our head or something, a fact that we know. There's a lot of uh, people that believe that Jesus was a historical figure that came. But they don't know him in a saving way. They don't know him in a personal way. The knowledge here speaks of Knowing him experientially, knowing him by having that relationship with him. So let's think of it when we read this then grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus, our Lord, and of Jesus our Lord. And as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by your walking with God by you walking with Jesus, sticking close to Jesus, being about his business, allowing him, right, and sanctification working in us, being conformed to him, we partake of the divine nature and the power. I'm learning more and more as that phrase, stick close to Jesus, I can't live any other way. This world will steamroll me. But with Him, walking in Him, being about His business, allowing the Spirit of God in us to work, and the joy of the Lord come out, even in the, in the midst of horrible troubles and tribulations. And I think of many of you going through many different trials and afflictions, but yet you see the joy of the Lord. It's glorious. That's allowing God to work. And we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. I think one of the greatest promises that we find in the Word of God is that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? But before that, in Joshua 1.9, it says, Be strong and courageous. We can be strong and courageous when we walk with Him. And I want to challenge us. I've been challenged. You know, as I think about you know, First Thessalonians and First Thessalonians chapter four, it's like, let's get to it. Let's talk about Jesus coming. But it's amazing how the, those first 12, eight verses that we looked at today and then a few more, are there before that. So the Lord wants us to know about the sexual immorality, how important it is to Him and how important it is to walk in holiness. Again for us to understand the world that we live in. It's not like it's just got bad in the last 250 years, right? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The enemy is real. So I want us to be challenged, to be thinking of the, the lost in such a way, to be challenged in our own life to, are we growing in the Lord? Are we growing in holiness? For the Lord is coming. Father, I thank you for this precious group of people, the, the body of Christ at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Lord, as we look at these scriptures and we look at the world that we live in, the craziness, the, the sexual immorality, the, the normal way in so many things, Lord, it's, it's not your way. And it's Lord, I pray that you would fill us afresh with your spirit that we would persevere, that we'd have that desire in our heart in this fallen world, that we would just desire so much to stick close to you, Lord Jesus. For you are worthy, you deserve all of our praise. And Lord, that we need you. We need you, Lord. We thank you for your great love. Would you encourage these people this week, Lord, to pray for the lost? Pray for their families. And in doing so, Lord, may your joy just fill them abundantly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello. This is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the Word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at PastorJimSweigert at gmail.com That's PastorJimSweigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. church website is CalvaryChapelFaithFellowship.org There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.